What if you were able to sit down for lunch with some of the greatest leaders in the world? What would you ask? What would they say? Welcome to the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where you're invited to join us in learning the spiritual principles behind big success. Here's your host, Mike Lynch. Welcome to episode 43 of the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where we sit down with some of America's greatest leaders and find out how they have learned to lead with their faith out in front. If I've never met you before, my name is Mike Lynch, and it is an honor to be on this leadership journey with you, as we're all seeking to be the leaders that we were created to be in the space and the place that God has put us. Today's guest probably needs no introduction to you. You may have heard her communicate on a main stage somewhere across the country, You may have listened to her as one of Dave Ramsey's key personalities using her knowledge and experience to grow and educate others. You may have read her New York Times number one best-selling book, Smart Money, Smart Kids, that she wrote with her dad. Maybe her new book, Love Your Life, Not Theirs, which released in October 2016. I don't know how you know Rachel Cruz, But hopefully today, at the end of the conversation, you're going to know Rachel a little bit better. She's smart, she's witty, she's fun, and she gets it. And boy, does her faith play a huge part of the lady that she is. So today's going to be a fun one. I want you to pull up a chair, and I want you to listen in to my time with Rachel Cruz. Well, Rachel, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Lynch with a Leader. It is an honor to have you. Well, thank you, Mike. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Well, I love what you do. And I love not only what you do, I love the passion you have for doing what you do. Did you ever think you would be doing what you're doing now? Did that ever, when you were a teenager, did you go, you know, one day I want to be doing this? Was that your story? You know, it's really funny. I'm like, I I look back and God totally paves my way. I mean, like Mm. I, it's, it's no question in my mind because never could I have grasped what I am doing today because I started actually traveling and speaking with my dad when I was 15. And so, uh, my dad, Dave Ramsey, personal finance guy. So he'd have these huge, massive events with, you know, six to 7,000 people on a whole Saturday. It was a whole day event. And so I would travel and during one of the breaks right before I would get up on stage and pitch our kids products. We have a whole kids line about how to teach kids about money. And so I had this 10 minute little bit, you know, I had like the top 10 reasons why it's tough to be Dave Ramsey's kid and like, right, like this whole little thing. And I was 15 years old. And I remember the first time I got up on stage were about 6,000 people. And I, of course, was like, terrified, right? I'm like, Oh my gosh, what am I doing? Why did I sign up for this? I'm so scared. And I realized after the very first time I did it, I walked off stage and I was like, that was one of the most fun things I think I've ever done. And I realized that was a very unique way of reacting to public speaking because most people hate public speaking. Yeah. And so early on, I probably wouldn't have been able to verbalize it then, but early on, I really felt this peace and this niche in my personality and who I was created to be for something like that specifically. Again, I probably wouldn't have been able to verbalize that at that age, but looking back, that's totally like a little thing that God opened up a little spotlight he's shown on my life. And then when I went to college is when I realized really the need for this message Mm. of 
being debt-free, living intentionally, saving up and paying for things, right? All these common sense principles we talk about here at Ramsey Solutions. And I remember watching my own friends and peers at 18, 19, 20 years old making these devastating mistakes with their money. I mean, going into deep student loan debt, signing up for credit cards and all of that. And that's the that's the moment, the spotlight moment. I feel like God really opened my eyes to be like, okay, I don't know a ton. I remember thinking I was 18, 19 years old. Yep. I don't know a ton, but I know enough to at least springboard people into a place with their finances that they're not deeply in this hole and that they're completely out of control. And so when I graduated from college, I was like, okay, I kind of want to take these two things I love speaking and this message and start talking to high school students and college students. So for um, the first couple of years, that was really my main message. I kind of looked at my dad as the emergency surgeon and I was the preventative medicine. I love that on. And now that I'm, I'm married, I have two kids and, you know, through all of those transitions of my life now, nine years later, it's my message has kind of shifted with me being a working mom sure. and doing all of this. So it looks a little different than it did nine years ago, but the principles are still the same. And yeah, so it's kind of a long answer to your question. No, that's a great, that's a great answer because I think most people would go, well, you know, either she was born to do that, but you really just sort of lived it and the passions came out of it. Yeah. And what's so funny too, Mike, is a lot of people assume just because I'm a Ramsey that, oh, of course you'd go work for your, for your dad. You know, of course yeah. you would. And I'm like, no, I remember sitting in my parents' living room after college and telling them what I wanted to do. And I remember my dad looked at me and he goes, okay, do you realize it'd be probably much easier for you if you just went off and did something else? Like if you choose right. to step into this, number one, you're gonna have to work twice as hard as everyone else because mm. you have Ramsey attached to your name. People's assumptions, you're already, you know, two steps below everyone because their expectation is that you're gonna just be handed everything. You're gonna have to work really hard, Rachel. Like, do you get that? <laughs> you know, I was like, yes. And so the first couple of years we laughed because I went to Nebraska like 80 times one year, like like Nebraska. <laughs> so I would get in a rental car and drive for two hours hours to speak at this little high school in the middle of nowhere for free and like all of that. And I do remember a few months into it, I was like, oh, wow, this is what he means. I mean, doing the grunt work, but you wouldn't, I wouldn't have it any other way. Right. I mean, like that was like totally wisdom from him for sure. So yeah, it was not an assumption that we'd be working or my siblings, you know, if they chose to work, it's really, it's something you have to understand you're going to work really hard and you have to be called to because especially in a family business, the most miserable thing would be to have a second generation being miserable, sitting in my seat and just like everyone else around me. You know, I mean, you don't That's want right. that for your kids, you know, all of that. So there was um, definitely some, some talk through, you know, what that role is, what my role is going to look like and the expectations of me, you know, to him. So absolutely. What, what did your dad do? Right. You know, you're looking at it now as a, as a lady with children of your own and you're looking in that rearview mirror and you're going, okay, here are the things my dad really did right to prepare me for life. What did he, what did your parents do best that got you prepared? So you could be a 15 year old girl standing on a stage with self-confidence yeah. that you could do it. What did they do? Yeah. Okay. When I answer this question, I kind of hate that. I'm the way I'm going to answer it. There's like a whole political side to what I'm about to say. And I don't mean any of that. Like this yeah. is in a pure sense back in 19 in the 1990s, right? I mean, like right. back there, but, but dad grew up with a mom who worked. So his mom was in real estate back in the sixties, which was unheard of. Like women, you know, didn't, did not work in the sixties really. And she wore a pantsuit and he said they got like phone calls of people that were like mad at her for wearing a pantsuit, right? I mean, like, but he grew up in a home actually that they weren't believers, but he grew up in a home where 
his mom worked and that his parents told him they were huge, like Zig Ziglar people and all of that, but you can be whoever you want to be. And so mm. after dad became a believer soon after my sister, my older sister was born, you know, he took the spiritual element of that with us kids. And it was, I look back and I'm like, I was so thankful because he almost was kind of blinded to, you know, I hate to even get into this, but like women's roles, men's roles, whatever. Right. But he looked at us as kids and he said, you can do whatever God has created I you to do. I love that. And you can be whoever you want to be. And so for me, the whole like women's thing, right? Like that whole thing right now in life, that wasn't even on my mind. I'm like, I'm not trying to be this feminist working woman. Like I genuinely grew up in a home where both my parents said, you get to be whoever you want to be. And if that's a stay at home mom, you are going to be an amazing mom and you're going to stay home and you're going to be awesome. Or if you want to work, if you want to be a dentist, if you, whatever you want to do, like you're Mm going to be awesome. So he, he did that more in the motivational side, if you will, than like some weird political slanted thing. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, It does. So yeah. So that was one thing, a huge gift he gave all three of us and my mom as well. Just, they just spoke into our lives. Like, really really well with that of what you're created to be you can be and you can be awesome at it what did that do for you having a dad that loved you enough to not pigeonhole you going here's of the career I think is going to be best or here's what I think what did that do for you as a young lady growing up that set you on that trajectory that you have now oh gosh I would say confidence Mm. um but with humility and a I mean, I look back and I'm like, I, and, and we could get out, we could have a whole other podcast, Mike on dad and daughter relationships. Absolutely. You really could. So vital. It is so vital. Mine is even just the work stuff, just what dads do for daughters and the amount of confidence that you give them changes who they date, changes their Mm. friend selection. I mean, so much. And so we were not perfect as kids by any means. We could have another podcast. (laughs) (laughs) But um, Well, I think we're talking a series here right now, Rachel. But yeah, I mean, I think just, just the confidence and, and, mm. and the, and the, um, the self-worth that I can do, I can do something. Um, but I think that's a, that was a huge part, a huge part. So you grow up in a great, this great family and, and there's a spiritual component to you. Where yeah. did that really begin to grow in that walk with the Lord becoming more than what your dad gave you? Where, where did it in your parents, where did it become yours? How, how did that whole spiritual journey happen for you? Yeah. Um, I would say that whole part of our upbringing was very present. So, you know, scripture was talked about, we prayed together as a family. We were not one of those families though. We tried this for like two mornings and it didn't work where we like got up at 5am and we did like a family devotional. <laughs> we tried that for yep. like two mornings. That's like, yeah, this isn't going to work. For our yep, absolutely. So, you know, we weren't like that, but, but it was just like, it was just in the ebb and flow of life. And I think mm. parents, one of the best part of parenting is when you can take big parts of your life, whether that's, um, you know, for kids, like picking a spouse, right? That could be one money can be one, um, your spirituality is one. So these big parts, and it just becomes part of life. It's not like we sit down and have a big summit every year on this one big thing, right? It's just who you are. And so that was a big, um, a big part of our upbringing, which I so appreciated. And so I would say for me, it was a pretty gradual, um, growth in that area. I mean, I think the more, um, the older I got, the deeper I understood what grace was, right. You understand Mm -hmm. what Jesus did. You, you, you have more of that independent 
type of relationship. And I'd say that was a very gradual for me. I mean, I think it got deeper in high school and in college. I did Young Life. It's an outreach ministry. And I was a Young Life leader all through college. That's where I met my husband and just had amazing friends, amazing community. So for me, I'm very thankful uh, that that was kind of the trajectory. Granted, I mean, it's up and down all the time, right? I mean, like, you know, you're you're having good months, bad months, all that. But overall, the the, the scale of that I could see in my life, which I was so thankful for. You, You know, now you're in the middle, you know, you're in the middle of it being a mom, being a leader, being a spouse, still being a child. I mean, there's, there's all those components that you still have working as you do that and you start going, okay, I think I know why God put me on this earth. I think I'm, I think I'm beginning to figure out, because I don't think any of us know that in our twenties, you know, I think we're, I think we're figuring it out as you're in that. Why do you think God put you here? Why do you think God put you on this earth? Mm, That's a good question. Um, I would say I feel his presence so deeply in the job that I do. Mm. Um, Thankfully, I feel it in my roles at home as a wife and a mom for sure. But I know that for me, I'm, I'm thankful that I have a job that's more than a job for me. Like this is not a place that I go, you know, from nine to five and collect a paycheck and that's it. I mean, this is the why behind what I do is so strong. And I believe ultimately I'm helping free people from the stress of their money and their personal finances. But what we mask it with is it's really the freedom in Jesus. And that's Mm. what we always celebrate is that we, we've kind of set up our brand as like, I look at myself, not as a Christian financial expert. I'm a financial expert who happens to be a Christian. And so I'm able to go into these spaces, these morning shows on networks and able to do these, these things, you know, they, they don't pigeonhole me because of that. And so I feel like I'm able to be in a lot of secular situations, which I love because I talked to so many people up in, you know, New York, we'll do a big dinner or something. And there's non-believers all around me. And they're like, yeah, there's something different about you guys. And I get that all the time. And I'm like, yes, there is. And his name is Jesus. Like, you know, so, so like the, the ultimate why behind I do is what is what drives me. And I think that's it. I think God put me on this planet to teach you about money, but ultimately teaching about him. If you could, if you could go to every person, you got five minutes with them and you said, yeah, here's what, here's what I want you to know about money. Yeah. If I could grab you before life just gets off the rails, what do you wish every person knew about money? you have got to be intentional with your money in order to win. And so what happens, a lot of people are stuck in this rut where they don't know how much debt they have. Some people don't even know how much they make after taxes. They don't know what they spend in the grocery store. Like they just don't know. And there's a lot of unknown because I think a lot of people are in denial. There's a lot of shame attached to it. There's a lot of reasons why, but there's a lot of this just, I don't want to know. And I don't know. And I'm okay with that. It feels better not to know. And my biggest thing is that you're going to keep getting the results you've been getting when you keep doing the same things over and over, right? right? You have to change what you've been doing to get a different result. And change is hard. It's hard Mm. for people. If you're living, you know, you're not used to living on a budget, living on a budget may sound miserable to you and it'd be really hard for you to do it. But what, what is hard is usually the greatest result. The Mm. harder something is usually you're going to get a great result. And so I would say you have to win, you have to be intentional. And so really that's, the the tactical part of that is living on a budget and understanding overall that as a believer, if you are a believer that you, everything God has given you from your house to your bank account, to your retirement account, to your kids, to your education, everything it's his. And we are called to steward, to manage what he has given us. And so as a good steward, I'm like, you have to be able 
to know. I mean, like, it's scary to think, to ask yourself, would I hire me to do the finances (laughs) in a company? Right. You you flip it back on yourself and you're like, oh no, I'm terrible at money, but you're, you're managing it for him. And so be a good manager. And so that part of that is just being intentional, knowing what you have. And again, living on that budget, which is knowing exactly what you spend and the ideal budget is before the month begins, knowing what you're going to make that month. And some people, it it shifts what everyone makes month to month. So it's kind of a guesstimate, but your income for the coming month minus all of your expenses equals zero. Mm. So every dollar coming in has a name. And what that does is that not only... Well, you feel like you got a raise because you have no idea how much you $20 yourself to death. Like you don't realize, okay, I walk into Target or I'm going through the Starbucks drive-thru. You don't realize how much money you just spend off the cuff, but also it suddenly gives you control and you're mm-hmm. able to say, I get to spend money on what I value versus my money just controlling me and I'm just living in the moment and I don't know what's happening. And so that control aspect is going to give you so much. It's a window. It really is into your life and to say, okay, here's what we have. And so, you know, I find that even with a lot of believers, like I want to be a giver, like mm-hmm. giving is a big part of our message is to be giving. And a lot of people say, well, once I get to the bottom, you know, the end of the month, I don't have any money to give. And I'm like, yeah, that's because you've done it backwards. You mm-hmm. have to prioritize the things you value. And when you do that, then you're able to live out of this value system that you long for so much. That is such a great answer. And, and so many, everybody wants that. Everybody would go, yes, I agree with that. And I know you hit this in your book, Love Your Life, Not Theirs, that that term comparison. And do you think that drives a lot of, even though that's what I want, I want that peaceful life that Rachel's talking about, but yet I can't keep up with the Smiths next door if I live that way and my kids won't have what their kids have. How big is that comparison in driving people into the problems that they have? Oh, I think it's a huge part because what ends up happening is comparison drives discontentment. Mm. And it's really hard to win with money when you're discontent. And we buy into this lie, especially as Americans, that we think stuff is going to fulfill us. If I could just have that new car, if we could just go on that family trip, if we could just have X, Y, and Z. And I've said this, I'm preaching to myself at times, right? I've said this before. If we could just have this, it'll just be easier. It'll be better. And you know what? The truth is you're going to get that thing and it's going to become another thing and it's not going to satisfy you like you think it will. And so we see the standard of living through social media, especially right. This window into everyone's life or, or your friends at church or whoever it is. And it's this expectation of that. This is how my life should be. This is the level of lifestyle I should have. And I look at that. I'm like, who says like who says that that you need a two to three car garage at every house that every kid needs a bedroom that you're supposed to take a beach vacation every year? Like who sets the standard of living? Because the truth is not a lot of people can afford it because they're living paycheck to paycheck. And so I think comparison not only steals your joy, but it seals your paycheck because mm. you end up spending money you may not have to keep up that lifestyle that you think everyone else is living and you're missing out on. And so one of my big goals for people is to find contentment, which I think comes out of gratitude. Because mm. when you are grateful, when your heart is full of gratitude, there is no room for comparisons and discontentment. And that foundation to say, you know what, we're going to be okay with what God has for us in the season. And I will say this as a side note, contentment is not 
you know, apathy or laziness. It's like, oh, I just want to be stuck here. No, you can strive for things. I mean, you can say, I, you know, I'm striving for for this life, but that that's not the reason you're, that's not what's driving you because mm-hmm. in the moment you have to be content with where God has you or you're constantly looking at other things to fulfill you. And it's just not the answer. And you strike me as being very driven. So is that a battle? Is that a battle for you that you go, man, I do a really, and I know this is, and this is, this happens to pastors too. We yeah. do a really good, good job teaching it on Sunday and a really job, bad job living it on Monday. It, is that a struggle for you in your life to find that contentment at times? I would say so for sure. I mean, it's definitely a discipline and I mean, little things that I do in my life, which sounds silly if you're a 50 year old man listening to this, but like on Instagram or social media, like there's people I've unfollowed because I'm like, I can't look at your fake life because I know it's fake and that's not real, mm. but everything, you know, whether the outfit you're wearing or the, the location you are, everything is just beautiful and dreamy all the time. And I'm like, I just know that's not real life. And so even down from like my Instagram account, I've unfollowed people. And so I really have to put myself in positions in a position to say, okay, I'm, I'm surrounding myself with like-minded people and I'm, I'm being conscious with what I'm even looking at right on social media specifically. And it's hard though. I mean, my husband and I were, we're looking at moving in the next year and like the house talk has been like a thing we've been talking about for six months and it's gotten to the point. And I told him the other weekend, I'm like, I got so convicted because I was like, we've talked about it for so long and it's such a fun thing to dream about and you can enjoy stuff, right? Stuff is oh, not yeah. bad this house has been consuming to us of what we're going to buy next to the point that I've had this lie that I'm like, Oh, well, once we move, everything will be better. We'll have awesome mm-hmm. neighbor. Like you mm-hmm. make up this thing in your mind. That's not real. And you're going to move into that house and that house, the newness is going to wear off and it's going to be just another house and it becomes normal to you. And so I definitely have to watch that for sure. I think the discipline helps that I can hopefully be aware of those things faster than I did even a few years ago. But it's, yeah, it's true. It's a real, it's a real thing. My wife and I, we started that conversation. In fact, we're in the process of moving. We've been in our house 18 years and we're oh, about wow. to, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, oh, problem is what it is. But anyways, and so no, yeah, it's a uh, Zillow's of the devil, because once you start, once you start looking, and then you're going, Oh, my gosh, that's so much better than what I've got. And it's the subliminal, it's, it's the subliminal thing that happens. And you're like, why does my house not look as good as it was? It's the yes. crazy, it's the craziest. It is the craziest oh. thing. So what are you doing as a mom? to help your children as they're growing up. Mm. What are things you're going to do as a parent intentionally to, to place your kids in a platform for success in the area of money? What are some things y'all are working on? Yes. Well, Amelia's three, our oldest, and then Caroline just turned a year. So we have two little girls. So they're definitely on the younger end yep. of the spectrum. But, um, you know, I look at how I was raised and thinking like my husband was raised in a very similar household, but, um, I mean, honestly, the gratitude piece is huge for me because I'm like that entitlement can seep in so fast, even as an adult, but it seems like it can be magnified with children learning to be grateful. And this sounds so basic, but for me, I'm like, it's manners. Like mom and dad taught us respect. Like we said, yes, ma'am. And no, ma'am, like you have respect for people. And I think that that's one piece that can be missing. And if you respect others, and you have this heart of gratitude of learning, even just to say, thank you, verbalizing that and being like, okay, this is a part of your life and to be grateful for where you are and where God's given you, you know, what God's given us. And I believe as a parent, more is caught than taught. Mm. And so they're watching us constantly. And I'm seeing it more and more, even with our three-year-old. I mean, they pick up on even things you say. Um, like I don't, don't, don't get mad at me, people listening. But I said crap the other day. I was like, oh crap. And she, my three-year-old was like crap. I was like, 
like, what? Like, I'm so sorry. So I love like, it. I love it. They just pick up on things you say and you're like, oh no. So they're watching. So I would say the gratitude part is huge mm. for me, but also mm. teaching them um, where money comes from and money comes from work. And so we grew up, we were never given an allowance as kids. We were always on commission. So That's you good. work, you get paid, you don't work, you don't get paid, but you learn at four five, six years old, that money doesn't come from mom and dad's back pocket. You have to work for it. And so that's a huge place because when your kids earn money and even as adults, right, when you earn money, you give it differently, you save it differently, you spend it differently versus if it's just handed to you. And so that work piece is big for me for them to know it takes sacrifice to get what you want. And, and I'm, we're going to make them save up and pay for things and, you know, bigger items. I, you know, we've talked about matching you know, so like even the car at 16, my parents did that where we had to save up and they would match whatever we saved. And so letting them have skin in the game early on will be huge because also your kids are experiencing money on such a tactical level that they're going to make mistakes, mm -hmm. but they're making very small, inexpensive mistakes while they're under your roof versus the very first time they're ever handling money, they're out on their own and they make a $50,000 mistake on a car lot by That's a right. Board, you know, so, so letting them experience money as much as possible in the household is, is big. And, and again, the making mistake thing. I mean, I've, I, I've had parents I've talked to and they're just like these helicopter protect every little thing. I'm like, no, let him that's buy right. the, the little toy that's going to break on the way home. It's okay. Cause it's $5 and you'd rather him learn what a cheap toy is versus saving up another two weeks, but it's okay. Let him make that mistake. And so, um, that's a big part of, of what I've learned to, um, looking back even how I grew up. Absolutely. What's next for you? As you, as you look ahead out the front windshield, you're, you're on such the forefront of life. You're young, your children are young, life's in front of you, a move's in front of you potentially. <laughs> yeah, right. what, what, yeah. I'm sorry in advance, but what, what's next for you? What do you see yourself doing in the coming years? You know, I obviously I have goals, you know, out ahead. Um, but for me right now, the most exciting thing I'm doing, we, we started a YouTube show, a 30 minute show that launches every other week called the Rachel Cruz show. And that has been so fun. I did video blogs for years, putting out content, just these short videos, but we've formalized it more, put more kind of a team around it. And that's been really cool. Cause I've been able to reach a whole new audience that I hadn't before. And so, um, you know, I, I want that to become a once a week thing, you know, <laughs> around Ramsey solutions. Yep. Our whole philosophy is we move at the speed of cash. So <laughs> That's so good. You know, things are just like being funded all over the place. Like you have to actually like make it work financially too. And so hopefully we'll get to a point where we can fund that and that be a once a week occurrence. Um, I'll probably have another book out in the next two years. Oh, awesome. we'll, have, we'll have another baby at some point, <laughs> not an announcement, but just, <laughs> um, yeah. So the next probably five years, it's going to be a whirlwind for sure. But it's, it's so crazy how I think, I mean, I have a lot of help when they say it takes a village, especially as a mom with little kids, it yep. takes a village. And I'm not afraid to ask for help either because I know I can't do it all. And so uh, the support system around me and having Winston, my husband, who is just so engaged with the girls, loves them, loves me, supports me. I support his work. I mean, it's just, it, we, we're kind of in a good rhythm right now. And as long as God keeps opening doors, I'm like, I, that's always my prayer with my work specifically. I'm like, God, and there's been some doors shut in the last two years that I've prayed for, but I'm like, shut the door and like seal it up. So there's no sunlight coming through. Like, cause I'll mm. probably try to push it open. Like just close it tight. So good. 
But if the door opens, like I have to trust God, you've opened that door and I'm going to boldly walk through it. And I'm going to be the best at it if you open that door. So that's always my, my gauge with God. I'm like, open that door. And if it's not supposed to be open, we'll move on. What, what's the biggest prayer you pray for yourself every day? Last question. Before you leave the house in the morning, before you tuck your kids in bed at night, is there a certain prayer that, that maybe you don't even verbalize with your lips, but it's always constant in your mind and offering it up to the Lord? Is there anything in particular that you say every day, I want to do this or I want this to happen? Um, it's funny you ask. I pray for my girl's safety every time I leave the driveway. Amen. Like, God, Absolutely. Those girls. That's always for sure. Number one. Um, I would say I've been in a season of, of, uh, gratitude's kind of been the theme of this whole mm-hmm. podcast. Like, but I, I have, I've like, I've kind of been overwhelmed, like so grateful, so, so grateful for where God has me. And my prayer, um, a big prayer too, is that my identity stays with him mm. because my job is so front facing that it can become about me. It can become right. vain very easily. You know, you're sitting in a makeup chair about to go on national TV. And if that starts to warp and mess with me, uh, I'm human and it can, and I'm not, you know, I, I know that. And so I always, I'm like, God, I need to know that like, and I pray this doesn't happen, but like yep. the whole thing does, you know, ends tomorrow that, that I'll, I'll grieve it. And I'll be so sad because I love what I do, but that I, I, Rachel Cruz am okay. And so that identity portion for me is big. And that's always, that's always a prayer I have, um, that he keeps me in that, in that, um, mindset. I hope you enjoyed our time with Rachel. You know, there's always a word and not always, but normally there's a word that stands out after my time with someone. And I think my word for Rachel was insights. You know, Rachel grew up around what she's doing, but to grow up around it and to get it are two totally different things. Rachel gets it. And Rachel has been given that ability to have incredible insights. That's why people connect with her. That's why whether she's speaking or she's writing or even today just on the interview, man, Rachel just is somebody with great, great insights, both in the financial realm, but also in the spiritual realm. I think so many times we hear a name like Rachel Cruz and we think, well, you know, she's she's just in it because her dad's, and then you meet her and you're like, man, it wouldn't matter what family she came from. Rachel is just one of those that God has gifted with great abilities. Rachel, thanks for sitting down with us. Thanks for spending that time that you did with us today, because I can tell you this, I'm better for it. And I think I can say we're all better for it. Thank you, Rachel. Well, on our next episode, we get to sit down with another incredible leader, Mark Cole. Mark serves as the CEO of the John Maxwell Companies and has more than 25 years of incredible leadership experience. Today, um, Rachel gave you some great insights into her world, and Mark is going to give you some great insights into his world. Thanks again for joining us on Lynch with a Leader. Share this with a friend. Leave a uh, review at iTunes or wherever you're listening or whatever podcast app you're listening to because it sure helps others find their way to us. Once again, thanks for being with us. And until next time, go be the leader that God created you to be. 
Thank you for listening to the Lynch with a Leader podcast with your host, Mike Lynch. If you enjoyed this episode, you can help more people hear it by subscribing and leaving a review wherever you may be listening. For full episode notes and more spiritual leadership resources, visit MikeLynch.com. 